Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk. I'm Tracy Morgan. Always nice to talk to you this half hour. Of course, this is our half hour that we have great professionals in to talk about issues that are important to you and also about their businesses. Today is our day with Tom Verostek with Q3 Capital Management. And we're going to be talking about money, yes, but we're going to be talking about what feels like a lot of conflicting information. So what do we do with the money? We'll get into that here momentarily. First, let me just give you the rundown of how you can listen, because you have us on the radio at 680 AM and 107.5 FM. Alexa-powered devices, you simply say, Alexa, play WISR. You have the app, the ISR app, that you would look for and download onto your devices. And then you can stream with us online at WISR680.com. And you can uh, listen to us as we're, we're broadcasting now. Or when we're done, you can go to our website and pick programs, Let's Talk, and then look for Q3 Capital Management and listen to us as the podcast for the day. And that conversation will stay up there as well. But all right, Tom. Tom is in studio with me. Welcome back to the program. Always nice to have you. Good morning, Tracy. And before we begin, just a reminder, it's Q3 Capital Management, securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. So I, I love talking to you, and this is going to be an interesting conversation because I just ask, what do we do? <laughs> you yeah. know? And that could have us sitting here for two and three hours, I know. But you deal with money. You deal with advising people on, on what to do with their money with Q3 Capital Management. But it just seems like an odd world right now. You know, mm. I've asked many organizations, are you waiting to go back to what we used to? Is this a new normal? What do we do with the particular industry we're talking to? So I'll talk to you about money if we're investing, but yet at the same time, it's just the weird dichotomies that I'm sure we'll get into. So hmm. where do we start? What, where are we right now? Yeah, I mean, I hear that a lot. Uh, people are saying this, this feels very uncomfortable, very unfamiliar where we are. Um, I think, you know, economy as a consumer, as even just as a citizen, you know, all the things going on across the country. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I th it should feel unfamiliar. This is, uh, this is not something we've experienced, I think, all the things that we're experiencing um, in the last, you know, definitely in the last decade, but even arguably, arguably the last three decades. Yeah, uh, and that's seen true. Anything like this. That's true. It, it, it feels like if we're history buffs, no matter mm. what – Part of history you dive into, you can um, you can learn from the past. It can either repeat or you can change it. Right? It just feels like right now with money and finances, what we could predict, if you could say it that way, what we could predict from history doesn't seem to be happening right now. Like like let, let me just give you this example with the stock market. Right? It feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, the stock market will react off of news from society, what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. And it feels like there's conflict after conflict after conflict, but the market will drop and then the market will go back up. Like, it, sure. it, it, that's not yeah. typically what happens, right? Um, well, it's, you know, it's funny. That, that's the interesting thing about the stock market is you'll have good news and the market goes down and, the, and then you have bad news and it goes up. And, and that's the irrational nature of the market. And I, I think there's, there's more to what gets baked into the market than a single headline. So first of all, I would just make, uh, sort of put that out there for people to consider that, you know, you get an unemployment number, you get a claim, you know, job, any, any inflation. 
Um, I think certainly when when some of those numbers are outside of the the norm, the the, the sort of a stink, what we call a standard deviation of the norm. If if it's outside of that norm, that range, that's when you could say, oh yeah, here the market reacted to this. Um, but if it's within, it may not necessarily move the market. I think a lot of people spend a lot of time uh, focusing on the short-term news. Uh, and, and granted, every day I think the market, I believe that the market bakes in all the information. In other words, what the market trades for or settles for yesterday has all the news baked in. Okay, But um, at the same time, it all, it's looking forward six months and also sort of baking in, anticipating some other things coming down the road. So, but there's other group of people out there that, you know, use technical analysis, which is a whole nother language. So I won't even get into that. But uh, yeah, I think, I think we are, we're, we're heading into a secular change that we have not seen in quite some time. So, um, you know, say, they say history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And so you can, I believe, go back and look at some time in our past. I think you just have to go a little deeper um, than just, you know, the last, you might think, oh, the last 20 years, plenty of information to sort of mine data and look at some, some information. Um, and certainly, you know, I think we're, we're starting to resemble some things like, for instance, I think there's a few things going on right now that, um, isolated, I think, but again, part of the whole pattern of change that I think we're, we're going through, isolated in that um, we're seeing the speculation that we saw in dot-com era. You know, things going up that make absolutely nothing. <laughs> they're, they're not profitable. They're, you know, we've, we've seen that. And somehow, well, obviously the investors that are enjoying that ride, they're going to rationalize it to the rest of us, right? So, um, you know, we're seeing that uh, to some degree. Actually, it was kind of entertaining. I was, I was noticing a little bit of criticism at Matt Damon um, over his commercials during, I think it was Super Bowl and so forth. And uh, I forget the tagline of that. But, you know, bottom line was everybody's like, oh, well, if he's, you know, he's endorsing it. And, you know, Tom Brady. And I think you got to be careful when you see those kind of endorsements because you get caught up in it. And then you get people that are rationalizing it. I think in the end, it's got to come down to, is it profitable? You go back to Warren Buffett, you know, does it make money? <laughs> does it generate cash? Because that is in the end, I think our government obviously misses this point too, is you got, you got to have a, a good balance sheet, right? Is the company, is it a going concern? Is it going to survive? Is it going to move on to the next, you know, the next day, the next year? Uh, can it afford to pay its employees and so forth? That's what a, 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 a profitable entity, enterprise, does. Um, and so, yeah, I think we are definitely, so there's some, some whispers of those kind of periods, but I think it's bigger than that. I think it's not bigger necessarily. It's, it's much, you have to kind of zoom out even further. I guess that's the best way to, to put it. Yeah, and I like that visual because not only the things that you've mentioned, but I'm thinking of things that we as consumers think of every day, gas prices, mm. grocery prices. What do we do with our money? Are we investing? Do we buy a house? You got interest rate. I mean, it, it is a bigger picture. Yes. So zooming out, mm -hmm. you see a lot more concern. Right. Yeah. And those are the things uh, sort of in, in a real simple compartment. 
you know, if you if you if you ever took any kind of economics classes, there's sort of mm, two. There's more than this, but I'm sure. But, but micro and macro, right? So the ma- micro gets into all those things you just discussed. You know, employment and inflation and gas rate and interest rates, da da da. And then the macro is more, if I were to simplify, supply and demand. Okay. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. old good yeah. old fashioned supply and demand, and and you study some charts and elasticity and so forth. And it's all that I found much more, I think, uh, uh, clear. Uh, you know, from a from a direct translation. Whereas, you know, the micro is sort of like, well, how do you quantify all this stuff, right? How does it sort of put it into a, a big soup and, and maybe come out with something decisively? Um, but, you know, to some degree, again, if you want to look at some some time periods, um, you know, 19, late 70s, we had a high inflation like this. Um, believe it or not, even after the dot-com March of 2000, so it was just sort of right at the tail end, we did get a, a high inflation number right there. I remember it. It was, it was a pretty significant day, and the market didn't like it. So really, the market does, does not like inflation. And, and why? Because it takes, it just, it's, like a, it's like a tax increase. It's like, okay, we're going to take more from you, consumer, and you are, you're the engine of our economy, the consumer is two-thirds of our economy. So if the consumer gets less money to spend, either through taxes or higher costs of basic things like gas, like food, that means they've got less to spend on discretionary things like travel and leisure and, and, and so forth. So, so that's one thing. And by the way, I'll even add this. You didn't hear this, but I think I've seen more lately. 2008. What was the reason for the Great Recession? Subprime lending and the housing. Well, guess what? In June of 2008, when the price of oil was over $140 a barrel, and we did see high gas prices and we did see high food prices, but it was baked out of the Federal Reserve's reporting numbers. They'd, they'd take those two out because they said, oh, they're too volatile, so we can't really use those. We need something that we can sort of a trend that doesn't move so quickly up and down. And I thought, well, that's convenient for you, but it doesn't translate to the everyday person that spends or doesn't spend because of those two very essential parts of their lives, you know, putting gas in their car and eating. Um, so my point is that we had inflation in 2008. And I think it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Anyway, so I'm getting into the weeds again. The, one, the other thing that, I, that I, I believe that nobody even talks about, because they look at it as a good thing, is the unemployment rate. Okay, So right now we're sitting at a 3.6% unemployment rate. So naturally everybody says, well, that's great. Everybody, Most everybody that wants to be employed is, is employed, and so they're making money. So that's a good thing. It's better than an you know, 11 or 12% unemployment rate, right? But... If you look at a supply standpoint, we all know we've had some labor shortages. And so I, I think if you go back also to some periods where we had some inflation, it's sort of tied to a low rate of unemployment. That is to say, once you've, you can't find enough workers, and then you start to see a, a sh, you know, your workers looking for better pay, so you, there, then there's movement of, of the labor within 
the market. So then what do employers do to typically keep them a good group of employees around? They pay them more. So then that inflation gets worked into one company after another after another. So then wages start to you see some pressure on wages going up. And um, because there's a limited supply of labor, you can't just go out and hire someone and say, hey, you'll do it for less. Great. Come on. Come on aboard. And I think that's a, that's an untracked, connected that piece of data that is the low unemployment, low unemployment rate tied to inflation, tied to perhaps ultimately in, you know, recessions. Um, you know, that is the, if, think about it. If you, if you have a supply, you have an unlimited supply of things, then the price goes down, right? It's plentiful. It becomes a commodity. Everybody's got one. And, and if you need another here, they're cheap. They're on sale. Whereas if there's a limited supply, then the price tends to stay higher. Well, let me ask you a couple of questions. You mentioned travel. You mentioned spending. You're mentioning the supply and demand issue. And, and I don't know if my question goes into the macro or micro, but it feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're tied into the, the money scene a lot more than I am, but I can feel the supply and demand issue. Of course, we all feel the pressure with the gas prices, but yet we continue to spend. So mm. again, when we talk about those dichotomies that are kind of conflicting, when I talked about the market earlier, it feels like another conflicting point right now when, we, when we're trying to decide what to do with our money, but yet it doesn't feel like people are staying home. People seem to be going on vacations. I don't know if that's a post-pandemic, or I don't want to say post-pandemic, but wherever we are right mm-hmm. now with that, you know, they haven't really gone on vacation for two or three years. Right. So they're going. Now we have high gas prices, but we're going anyway, and we're still spending, mm-hmm. but now we have higher interest rates. You know, so again, it seems like a conflict because the higher interest rates would seem to curb that spending, and it just doesn't seem through my lens that that's what's happening. What do you see? Yeah, and I think that's that's the that's the part of this uh, this change. You know, the 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 winds of change have come, and we've sort of seen the first introduction of that this year. We've seen, uh, and the market has reacted. Obviously, the market, gosh, the market. I think as of today or yesterday was down is down about eighteen percent um, year to date, and um, so it's you know it's baked in at least what we have experienced in terms of. Maybe the shock of, uh, of inflation translated to oh now we're now it's gonna we're not gonna have cheap money anymore, and maybe now the government's gonna have to. Well, I'm not sure we've seen that yet from from the government. They always want to spend, and 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 with an all time high debt, uh, they just want to keep spending because they're used to having basically zero interest rates. So they like us. If you can borrow money at, for free or close to free, then you can keep borrowing and more and more. And um, so their their reckoning, I think, is coming. And I think that's part of what we're, we're, we're going to see in this sort of the next, I don't want to say wave, but um, I think historically this takes time. So inflation, to get to your question, people are going to spend. Here we are, it's the week, well, Monday, Week from going into July, yeah, got yeah. holidays. We're going into that long weekend. It's the third most traveled weekend in the, in, of the year, so 
and and this this year it's falling perfectly on a Monday, so it's going to be a nice long weekend. And uh, yeah, people. So there there's evidence of consumers now their credit cards are uh, are going up, their balances have increased because of the higher costs. Um, and then you also have, uh, you know, p- there is some decent amount of cash um, kind of left over. Be- it's hard to believe uh, from from the pandemic, uh, I guess, from, you know, people not traveling. So I think that that's sort of working its way th- still through the consumer part of the economy. Um, so, yeah, the point is that you've got high gas prices. Yeah, it's come down a little bit over the last few weeks. Um, and this, you know, this tax hall, federal tax holiday I'm not gonna, I don't have time to get into that, but I think that's, that's a, that's a, it's not the solution. <laughs> it's not a long-term solution. If anything, you, you could, you could argue that, that it might come back to bite them because it'll, it'll cause consumers to load up on gasoline while that holiday still exists, increasing demand. And, and then what do they do <laughs> as, as the demand increases and then the price goes up again and then they then they and, yeah, relieve the holiday that, on the, yeah, the holiday. tax. And it's like, oh yeah, then this is this could get really so all right. So consumers are gonna spend this week and they're not gonna just like put a you know half tank you know, half, fill it halfway. They're gonna go fill it. And so I don't see demand in the short term um, decreasing. As a matter of fact, it probably is will be increasing. Um, and that's uh, that's what you don't expect. Just like you said, it, does, it sort of defies log, logic with, with the rates going up and interest rates. You know, so it's sort of housing industry is starting to feel a little bit of that on the, on the rate mortgage issue. Um, but, you know, I think the banks are becoming a little more uh, particular in terms of who they're either lending to or issuing credit or you know, any kind of consumer credit, credit cards. Definitely seeing that. So, it's uh, yeah, look the, the the market will be ahead of the Fed and it has been year to date, you know ten year Treasury it started the year at one point four two percent, without the Fed really doing much of anything at all. You know yesterday I think we're at three point two three so it's doubling doubling of the 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 yield. So the market has has a way of being that dynamic and and baking it in and. You know, I, I've argued this, but few people, and, and I've had a few people agree with me that that the the bond market is a, is a, such a it's it's so everyday bond traders tr- that that moves the numbers, moves the yield, moves the prices, and those are connected. And to, you know, there are times in history where the Fed is behind the market. Sometimes they're ahead of them, and they they surprise us, but. I think the Fed is in a very tough situation now because they have to raise rates. Well, they may have to raise rates more than they want to. I think that's where they are right now. And I think they're sort of hoping and wishing that, hey, what we've done so far has sort of kicked in and it's done its thing and it's curtailed some spending and so forth. But I think this kind of comes – It just like I said, it it just has – History has shown that, and again, this could be a time where it's not rhyming, but history has shown that these, this takes a while to sort of that, the, the snowball effect kind of builds. And, and it, you know, the, all these price increases plus the 
the lack of supply, um, that's a big thing. I mean, if you, if, you could, if you could really address the lack of supply, and there are ways to do that, particularly in the energy field, um, and that's, um, you know, you can get, I'm not going to go there. I, I'm going to let that be resolved by the, the forces of the market. Eventually, I believe the, the market forces will, will it'll, it'll just force your hand into, into making those kind of decisions. And I think that's a question that many people have, but not putting it in those words. Yes. What's going to force our hand right. to make us stop spending or the macro issues that you're looking at? When does this come to a halt? Yeah. or slow down, or come back to normal. You and I were using the word new normal before we even got on the air. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if, if that would be my question. Like, is this the new normal? Because I feel like where we are right now, which is not normal, is a lot of uncertainty. So is the new normal living with this amount of uncertainty, or are we headed to where this evens out, whatever that may look like? I think we have we have been through a very nice period economically, um, and not without some hiccups along the way, but but o- overall we've had a bull market since you know the early eight well yeah mid yeah. early to mid eighties yeah mm-hmm. very long you know again zoom out and look at a look at a chart and you won't even recognize some of the some of the things that at the time were a little scary or a lot scary. In 1987, uh, dot com, to, you know, 9/11, 2008, big chart. I don't. They're not looking that significant. That, but the trend is up clearly. So we're we're so. I think in the end, we 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 believe in in the trend. The trend is up, and that's that's what I hear. Everybody, anywhere, always talks about the trend and the long term trend and hang in there and you know just ride through it. You know, the, the, the buy on the dip crowd, you know, buy on the dip. It's just buy on the dip. You'll, fa- you'll be fine. That's great until the trend changes. And I, I, you know, I don't, nobody has a crystal ball, but certainly we could be, you know, if it feels a little strange, yeah, I think we'll know a little bit better in a year or two, uh, even, you know, even six months from now would, would go a long way in terms of, I think, giving us some direction. But but yeah, there's definitely. I think the market eventually will, will force the hand of of all of of the other influences, uh, and I think the influences have been to some degree um, engineered uh, recently over the last you know 10, 20 years. And fortunately, we live in a country where uh, we issue the the currency that the rest of the world likes to trade with, trade that is goods. Um, not so much trade on the market. And so, you know, we have the ability to determine how much of that, that is the money supply. We also have the ability to determine at what cost you, you can have our currency. That is interest rate to, to some degree, borrowing. And uh, so with that comes obviously some responsibility. If you, if you misuse that, that, uh, that right, that privilege, uh, you know, it can it can it can be shifted away from you. It can be taken away from you. And I think that's where what we. I'm not saying <laughs> we face that. I'm saying that we have definitely used that to our benefit uh, as a country, as an economy. But you have to use it responsibly. And uh, I think again, the 
the amount of debt in this country will have to be managed um, better going forward. And, I, and again, the market has a way of forcing that on you. I think the interest rates going up will sort of even out some things and, and make make a lot of those issues. Um, unfortunately, you, you have to maybe go through some periods of, of uncomfortableness. Uh, and um, But with that, there's, there's other opportunities. So I think that's that's uh, that's what we're probably going to be experiencing uh, in, the, in the next decade. And um, so you just have to, again, I think history gives us a pretty good um, ledger to, to refer to. Uh, again, it's not it's not perfect, but at least it can give you some perspective. And and there's some opportunities that you can find. That's the great thing about it. I, I find it really interesting to go back and say, oh, if you just put, you know, put who would have thought put money in this asset class or this or this, you've been, you know, those surprisingly did well. And wow, that's never would have thought of that. All right. So you can learn from, from history and, um, you know, work with it. Uh, obviously from an investment side of things, that's what we try to do. Uh, make sure that we're making the best decisions for our clients. Uh, no, nobody's perfect, but, uh, I think uh, if you pay attention to the turn in the road, you know, instead of saying, oh, we'll just do this, we'll just, okay, and I won't fill in the blanks, but everybody, you know, sort of what we've been hearing, the guidance that you get for investments over the last decade or two, uh, I think you have to get, you sort of have to zoom out from that um, and look at the bigger picture and look back for periods where, Maybe we were in a similar situation, and, and that way you can position better with confidence. That's the main thing. I find if you don't have confidence and, or direction, well, you can't have confidence if you don't have direction. Yeah. So You know, I'm looking at the clock, and we really only have about four minutes left with you. And, of course, I want to ask, so what do I do with my money? So I'll just ask this because a lot of people are asking, what do I do with my money? And that is a big conversation. That's why I chuckled because we don't mm. have four minutes or we don't have the time to cover that in four minutes. So how do we get a hold of you and what what can you do for someone if they come to you after hearing this and they say, then what do I do with my money in the current status that we're in in society? How do they get a hold of you first? Yeah, start, uh, yeah sure. Uh, probably email is the best. So that's Tom at Q, like Quebec, the number three, capital.net, Tom at Q3 capital.net. So best way to reach me, we do have a phone. <laughs> uh, we still use that as well. 724-940-3927. But, uh, you know, we really begin with what you've, or, you know, what have you done to this point? That's, that's usually the best place to start. What have you done? Where are you now? How are you positioned? What's your strategy? And then that gives us a good place to, to begin with our analysis and, and also aligning that with your, you know, your, your goals. Um, you know, what you're comfortable with, what your time horizon is. Uh, for that money. And, uh, you know, from that, then we get into the weeds, um, you know, situational or technical, we, we try to cover, and I won't, maybe we'll get into that in another show, but yeah. um, get into those kind of things, just n- making sure that we're best positioned for all of those things, your, where you're going, um, and, and maybe help if there is a need to transition from where you are to maybe this, this turn in the road that we're seeing. Uh, I, I believe we're experiencing. Um, so that's 
probably the best synopsis of what we could do. Yeah. So Q3 capital management, I know there are different options that you have for people to come and visit you or make an appointment with you. Mm-hmm. What would you tell people that you do? Do you guide them on how to spend their money, save their money, invest their money, or all of the above? Well, yeah, sure. The, the save and spend is, is part of the budget process. We talk, I talk about that with the government. It's the same thing for an individual. You've got to make it balance. And, and today, obviously, with inflation, it's more difficult than ever. Um, but starting there and then, you know, obviously, looking into the future. So, so if you are saving, where is the best place to put it? Um, and that that you know, usually starts with, you know, a company-sponsored plan. Uh, do they have that? And, and get into that. But, um, again, it's big picture, objective. We look at everything and yeah. just give the best – guidance that we can. Tom Verostek with Q3 Capital Management, uh, ready to take care of you. Tom, as always, thank you so much for the conversation. I know we could continue, but we're out of time, but thanks. Uh, I enjoyed it, Tracy. Thanks. And folks, thank you very much for joining us for this segment. Again, Tom Verostek with Q3 Capital Management. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. If you would like to listen to this program again, I would point you to our website at WISR680.com. What you're going to do is you're going to go and pick in the menu bar programs, drop that down to Let's Talk, and then you can look for Q3 Capital Management right there. Thanks so much. I'm Tracy Morgan with Let's Talk.